There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Those of you who were lucky enough to be at the Liberty Hall on Friday night to witness Ken Early's on-stage updates from the Wales-France game will know that we've got one of the country's great rugby minds right here on the second captain's presenting team. And I'm sure we're all holding our breath to find out what the Edmund Van Esbeck of the podcasting game has to say <laughs> about Ireland's bizarre bonus point victory in Twickenham. Hey, Kenny. Oh, and how are you doing? Hi, Murph. Hi, Sight. Hey, hey, hey Murph. Hey, Ken. How Welcome to the show, everybody. Oh, we're doing okay. Well, uh, better, better than we would have been doing if England had completed what they looked like they might complete for a while in terms of uh, a bizarre victory. But I hope some of you got a chance to listen to our bonus pre-match pod on Saturday with Shane Horgan and Andrew Trimble from Liberty Hall. The two boys were in great form and they are on again today and raring to go. I mean, surely I kind of been the only one thinking we were going to lose this game early in the second half, can I? Even before they got it back to 15-all, there was this vibe. I was thinking about it. There was, if you had turned on the match and... We're just looking at the English reactions to everything that was going on, the players reacting. You'd assume they were 15 points ahead. They were forcing us into penalties, celebrating them all defiantly, but also triumphantly. You Honestly, I, I, at that stage, I thought they seemed to be totally convinced they're going to win this game, which had me worried, I have to say, you guys. Mm. Yeah. Oh, with 20 minutes to go on, I had no faith. <laughs> <laughs> I had absolutely no faith in our ability to uh, to dig out. I mean, the the psychic energy of the game had swung defiantly, That's definitively true. in England's favour. It seemed with, if uh, Murray with Mexter had been watching Murph, he would have called it off. He actually, he, if Murray Mexter was, he would have <laughs> called the whole thing off with twenty minutes to go. Listen, the psychic energy has spoken. Yeah. We don't even need to play the last twenty minutes of this game. It's over. Maybe that's Ireland are toast. Maybe that was England's problem, though, that they wasted so much energy on fist pumps and bro hugs and butt slaps. They had nothing left for the last <laughs> 10 minutes. <laughs> that's oh, what tired them out. It wasn't the. Yeah, it wasn't the. Jesus, I've never seen so many fucking celebrations of, like, GA style celebrations of minor well, events. It was all Eddie, Eddie Jones's information warfare, you know, and it, it so. seemed to work on, on uh, seemed to work on Owen and Murph, obviously. Oh, look How at do you this. mean? 
Well, he obviously <laughs> sent the sent the boys out to uh, to really um, act as though they were going to win the game. We do for not a, a half time. It's like, you know, get out there, and every time something good happens, I want you all to and uh, act as though you're going to win. And actually, some of them will start to believe you. And we've seen evidence of that so far. Oh, you feel that was an active instruction by Eddie Jones? Undoubtedly. Hmm. Absolutely. Undoubtedly. And... uh, that's Someone. actually true now that I think about it. This is see, this is what I mean. This is we've really unearthed a gem here, guys, in the last week in terms of Ken's. <laughs> well, you got, you know, I don't know much about rugby, um, but I understand Eddie Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we that, that was that's clear. all there that is to know about rugby. Doing. Just understand Eddie Jones. You got the whole thing. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's the leading coach in the games. You know, <laughs> he's doing very well. well the just, doing very well. <laughs> on his way to another fifth place finish in the Six Nations, but I mean, yeah, sure, why not? Um, and you know, and and you could tell. I mean, the the I I felt Ireland were very unfairly criticised for what ultimately was an easy victory against a lot of an England team whose bark is a lot worse than its bite. <laughs> I mean, a, a three legged dog of an England team that not of its not of its own paw in the first minute, <laughs> and then sorry, barked. Sorry, did it did it gnaw off a, a paw of a second leg? So it's lost one leg, but it's gnawed off the paw of another leg. Is that what you're saying? Look, all I'm saying is if you if you saw a, a, a stupid dog that had gnawed off its own paw and appeared to possibly have rabies, would you what, would you feel comfortable handling it? No. And I feel like that, that, that undermined a little bit of the Irish fluency. But in the end, we got the result that was inevitable from the first minute. Even if another Eddie, Eddie O'Sullivan and Orti Pundry, wasn't exactly getting carried away with the with the positivity afterwards I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid on this one this is a really poor performance we didn't put England away after the 72nd 73rd minute 14 men for most of the game I thought we were pretty rudderless for, for most of the game we, we, we pulled away in the end England were out in their feet we put together a nice pass to play to try that broke England and it was all over but at three points with 10 minutes to go it was shocking our scrum was a mess our discipline was awful our handling errors were off the charts, and we still came away with a bonus point win because England just ran out of gas. But no one's going to convince me that if England had 15 men today, we'd have got out and won playing like that. If we played like that against 15 men today, we wouldn't have won. Here's the facts. Now, we can celebrate the win and the four points, winning in Twickenham, winning on the road. All that's great, but that is not a good performance. We can't expect teams to play with 14 men every week. So I'm not buying and drinking the Kool-Aid. Zero crack Eddie was Jerry Flannery's retort live on air, <laughs> but, which was pretty like, what, what? I mean, so so Eddie O'Sullivan's logic seems to be that because they got a player sent off in the, in the the at the very beginning of the game, it should now be an easy win for Ireland. Yep. But Ireland yeah, should, should, a lot of other people well, can, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. it's only a, it's only a one man difference in a fifteen man game, you know. And and what what do they do when they when they get a player sent off? They immediately okay. Actually, what happened was they immediately let in two tries, but they got away with one of them because uh, it, there was uh, some illegal move in it. I can't remember what what is it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and uh, actually at the moment when they let in the second try, it looked as though they were completely falling apart. But when they got that reprieve. That was when they were able to sort of rally and organize. And what they did for the rest of the game was play a super defensive game, a super defensive, super aggressive game, which they which obviously intended to do from the start, which is why they ended up losing a player in the first minute. And when you're playing against a team that's like incredibly determined to not give not give you anything, that's difficult. And it's like it's not the game that they would have been playing against 15 players. England would have actually tried stuff 
if they had 15 players, instead of just playing this remorselessly attritional defensive game, which was the only thing they, they really could do, having, you know, sabotaged themselves. And It's so, a fair point, but it, the, the Irish players did also make an unbelievable amount of mistakes, even within that framework. They did a load, they made a load of stupid mistakes, and a lot of them unforced, aside from the scrum issue, which was another problem altogether. Yeah. So... There is a point that they didn't play particularly well for a large parts. They played. Of the game. They played well on the phone. They played well. They played. They well played well. They got thirty-two points. You know, sorry, I want, uh, sorry yeah. I want you in on this because I do. I do think it's it's that the strain of thought that we're talking about there that Eddie O'Sullivan and lots of others were were quite strong on. I, does it come back around to this idea, this obsession with this? There's always an obsession with what's going to happen in the future with rugby. It's yeah. always about the World yeah, Cup, yeah. the next World Cup. But it's like. You know, and that that seemed to be the subtext. Like we didn't play well. We have to we have we have to all you know we have to all accept that we did not play well in this game. Yeah, but the result against England. I'm we're all old enough to remember when these things didn't happen, and those score lines were always a, a reverse the of players that. Players aren't old enough to remember. Ah, yeah, but that's true. So I mean, my point is, any day that you get a bonus point win with a record scoreline, record margin of victory at Twickenham for an Irish team. I put it down as a good day and Completely. a good result even with the flaws. And, and if you add in the fact that the quality of our tries was very high, I thought. Um, the low try at the start, what looked like a try for Caelan Doris. Obviously, the Jack Conan try, the build-up was unbelievable. Very strategic, very patient, very skillful, and exactly what was needed at that time to kind of tire out an already tiring English team. And Eddie O'Sullivan sort of says, oh, we finally got there in the end but those last 10 minutes I would argue are the really important ones in a tight game often more important than the other 70 put together because that's when your plan to tire a bigger team starts to come to fruition it's when nervy players get showing up it's when decision makers take control and when you put all those things together and that Ireland actually did pull it back like they it got to 15 all and they kind of pulled themselves together and went we need to just get back to what we're doing just kind of they were getting too anxious to score on every phase instead of just going through the phases and when they did that they looked brilliant again and for the last 10 minutes and the first 10 minutes they were great and they made a load of silly errors that looked really fixable and then the scrum which doesn't look very fixable I think I think I saw a stat where um, the Ireland had committed 14 of the 15 yeah this is John O'Sullivan in the Irish Times 14 of their 15 penalties were conceded in the first to 60th minute so when the time came for the game to actually be won that's when we cut out the the discipline issues and actually went and won the game. So for all the problems, you're absolutely right. The bench made such a massive difference. We had four lines on the bench. Henshaw was unbelievable when he came on. Conan got to try. Connor Murray, to be fair to him, was really, really good. Yep. And that was enough to get us over the over the line. At least Eddie O'Sullivan had the benefit of 80 minutes to get his thoughts together. Spare a thought for Donald Lennon in co-commentary. One of the toughest gigs in sports oh, broadcasting. Well, we're not having been. a pop at Donald Lennon on this on the show, are we? No. I'm going to qualify by saying, trying to form your thoughts and articulate them in split seconds. It's difficult at the best of times, and Donald makes it look easy. He's one of the best in the business. We know that. He knows that we know that. He knows we have the height of respect for him. So I'm sure Donald won't mind us dredging this one up from the first scrum on Saturday. They've been talking about that first engagement all week. And Sinclair, really, they're, they're pivotal figures in this England team. They're brilliant Barker, but they're not actually great scrummagers. And uh, Cale Healy's been around the block a long time. He knows that. And he oh, oh dear. Six scrum penalties later. <laughs> 
unfortunately, uh, he's right. Uh, Sinclair and Gange aren't known for being destructive scrummagers. They're known for more their open field play um, and survive. And often Sinclair just surviving in scrums and. Uh, like England lost a World Cup final because of their scrum, and uh, that's the extra bit for Ireland that they need to figure out—a way to survive in these games. Like, there's one thing going backwards in two or three scrums; it's another giving away six penalties, giving away points, territory, uh, confidence. Come on, er- everything was lost on scrums. Like, it, your scrum can be bad, but when it's really bad, it loses you the game, or almost always does. Simon, Mike Ross, Nigel Owens on Twitter have—they've already come to a conclusion mm. that we we were screwed. Screwed with their trousers on yep. on uh, Saturday evening <laughs> by the referee. So, I mean, I'm not having it. Yeah, you know? well, th- that's the other thing, when though. Mike if Ross, somebody tries something illegal, about- you figure out a way to counteract it. Yeah, and in fairness, Andy Farrell did say that. Uh, he, he, you know, he said, he alluded to it rather, you know, o- o- opaquely, saying, well, we did ask a couple of questions and of the referees, but we, we couldn't quite find the answer. In other words, he he's kind of seems yeah. to be saying what Mike like, Ross is saying. Tyke Furlong looked under a lot of pressure, and I can't remember him ever being under pressure before. So either he had a sudden awful game in the scrum or something else is going on that most of us don't, besides Mike Ross, don't understand. We've loads of good stuff coming up in the World Service this week, including coverage of Man United against Atletico Madrid in the Champions League and a cracking Gangs All Here show with Jamie Wall and Paddy Marr, the six-time All-Star, who spoke brilliantly about his recent retirement from the game. Loads of other good stuff coming up over the next few days. So if you're not signed up, please think about becoming a member now on secondcaptains.com. But today, it's all about the Six Nations. Back to Campbell, back to Duggan, McLaughlin going for that line, and Ireland are in and over. Shane Horgan and Andrew Trimble, they may have brought the house down at the Liberty Hall, but I listened back, guys, and neither of you predicted a bonus point victory or a sending off in the first couple of minutes. Shane, disastrous predictions. I, I, don't, I don't know why you get us on. I really I don't know. know. I don't I know. know. Unbelievable. Such good fun. Andrew, thanks so much for coming along on Friday and to the both of you. Great to be there. Great night, fellas. It was good old fun. Uh, how did your Ulster-Leinster game go in the end? That's all, that's all anyone wants to talk about now, Andrew. Oh, people the were big gripped. People were gripped. People <laughs> just could not wait to get that England-Ireland game out of the way and then get on to the big one. <laughs> get on to the big stuff. <laughs> Tell us, um, we played Eddie O'Sullivan earlier. You know, I wanted to, I'm going to suggest to you, Shane, that a bonus point win in England with a record winning margin there is a great achievement regardless of the circumstances. Would you agree with that or would I be as Eddie O'Sullivan would suggest, drinking the Kool-Aid on that one. Yeah, at such an Eddie O'Sullivan. I th- I've heard drinking the Kool-Aid a lot of times, <laughs> setting your hair on fire, circling the wagons. Um, um, I really like Eddie and I've um, you know coached him uh, for many years and, and he gave me the majority of my caps, so I have I definitely have a fondness with him. But um, I was definitely aware of, uh, of uh, a couple of his idioms. I, yeah. I, I know where he's coming from, but um, I don't. I don't fully buy into it either. And on the face of it, and I think you have to take it in the, in the face of it in the first instance is Ireland have had a record margin. Um, you know, score four tries. You know, you know, comprehensive victory in the end of it. Was it a perfect performance? No, it wasn't. Um, far from it. Was there um, you know more mistakes than you expect? Was there a nervousness about the performance? Yes. Did Ireland? Um, employ the wrong tactics for a long time. Yes, they did. And um, is there you know, genuine concerns about the scrum without Porter in it, or even maybe with Porter in it, uh, in an overmatched, um, in an overmatched forward pack? Then yes, that's true as well. So there is all that, but there's something innately, you know, positive about 
the way they got to the end of that performance um the the sort of the heart they showed um even with the extra number up and finishing the job and getting four uh, f- uh, four tries and a bonus point did, did you think they're going to lose at any stage Shane uh, I mentioned earlier on I, I thought they did just the way the momentum seemed to be going the energy coming from all the the, the English wins in the scrum penalties all that stuff I was looking at this going this this looks really really dodgy it wasn't impossible for them to lose that game, and the, the, when the the teams drew level, um, at that point you thought, well, and actually from for a period before that you knew this the way this game was going. I I actually, I was texting um, a couple of friends as as I was watching it, and after you know the send there was a sending off, and then there was that really nice fluid bit of play where the try that was disallowed from it, and just like the loop play was starting to work, and you thought there's a lot of space on the edges here. I was thinking. This could get ugly for England really quickly. Mm. And obviously that's what I was hoping. And it never did because England just doubled down on their game plan, which was, you know, smart by Eddie Jones. You could see him getting the messages on. It was, we have dominance in the scrum here. That's what we're focused on. We're going to kick. We're going to chase. We'll, you know, defend like our um, lives depend on it, which they did. Um, And what came, you know, I suppose the thing that came to mind was, um, South Africa in the in the summer, mm. and you know, having the conversation about rugby is there's many aspects to rugby, um, and it can be very sophisticated. It can be complex. Um, there can be a lot of thinking done uh, um, behind the scenes and then implemented on the on the field, or you can have a dominant scrum. <laughs> and if you have a dominant <laughs> scrum, it goes an incredibly long way. And if you don't have a scrum. That you can get some. If you have a if you have a scrum that is completely demolished, then the chances are you're going to lose that game. Um, you know, uh, and I think it was probably um, the the loss of you know the loss of the man that that was the, the the difference in the end. But that was really worrying for Ireland that they could be so um, incredibly dominated at, at scrum time, and we we showed how effective a good scrum is. It's actually quite rare, Andrew for a good team like Ireland to get that demolished in the scrum. People were talking about Tom Court in 2012, and that is the last time I can remember us being that bad and that dominated. I'm sure Tom Court hoped that, that wouldn't happen again because he wouldn't get referenced so often. He's been talked about this weekend. Poor Tom Court, he's going, I have done anything to deserve this. <laughs> I thought it was behind me I know. 10 years ago. Let it go. Uh, but it did, it, it, did it, it rang true. I was there that day and it was absolutely miserable for Tom and I'm sure it was miserable for for that front row, Keane Healy in particular, and it it definitely shines a light on on our our difficulty and our our lack of depth in the, in that area, and it is it's so key and it's so central to every single thing that goes on on the pitch. Um, you're, you're nervous about knocking the ball on or any any scrum set. You, yeah, know, you knock the ball on more as a result because you know it's you know it's the end for you if you knock it on. Yeah, and that was they were they were going after that scrum regardless. That was their that was their game plan. That was their plan A and plan B, and they were they were going after it and. I think the, the Ireland, you know, the the narrative out there is that the the scoreline probably flattered us in the end, and the narrative is that you know we probably struggled to get the the job done against fourteen men England. Four scoring four tries at Twickenham is not nothing. We had to get that game done. We had to get that game across the line, and there it is. Um, a red card is disruptive for both teams. Now I'm not saying poor Ireland, England conceded a red card. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but there is a psychological. There is. There is something that team get from that. We went to Cape Town in 2016. Um, uh, who was it? Peter, who Peter Manny. Was it? No, it was CJ. Peter, 
Oh, it's CJ. Was it was it? CJ. Yeah, oh, yeah. CJ. He, jumped, he was doing the block down, wasn't he? He jumped in. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. CJ got the red card that day, and and we put in an incredible performance, and you, it just brings everybody together. Um, I don't know if you spotted it, but I we do um uh, match point the uh, predictor game, the kind of gamified prediction, and and hashtag um, ad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, and I was I had a I backed an Ireland win, and whenever I saw a Toji in for the anthems bouncing up and down the energy that they were bringing i was like that is a reflection that's england at their best whenever guys like that are doing that and we i think we've sort of forgotten how formidable how difficult england are at twickenham and now granted we we <laughs> us expert pundits uh, pundits on, on friday night did draw attention to this but we kind of just forgot just how formidable they are and how fired up they are their backs are against the wall when they got the red card then that's an england team fighting for their lives and i, I think that has a big big impact and that is a difficult outfit to put away it's not nothing we got the job done uh, we kind of meandered a little bit throughout the game and that allowed England just to get another foothold, another foothold and then just kind of really double down on that dominance at the scrum and the physicality. In around 60 minutes, it looked like we 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 took a breath and it was something I don't think I've seen from, from just to really kind of change the tide. 60 minutes, 15 all. I looked like Johnny Sexton just brought the team in and just said, right, listen, we need to do something here. This will not just change itself. We'll not just you know it won't just move into a more um, dominant display for us we won't it won't just happen automatically we have to kind of we have to stamp our authority in this game and they did that and i think it's actually quite an accomplishment to do that so i think i think yeah that was way, my favorite way... thing about the, the the whole game andrew was the fact that they wrestled momentum back you don't see irish teams do that very often away from home forget about the quality of the tries and the other elements to the game just that one fact we actually we were terrible i thought we wavered for ages we didn't look confident all the momentum was in england but the fact that we did actually go hang on a second and andrew conway like that kick by andrew conway yeah the 50 the, 22 yeah. was that was brilliant just on, just on that though um, how much of that is down to how exhausted england were you know when they showed replays of the jack conan try from the, the angle up above the english lads like half of them couldn't get anywhere near where they needed but, but to isn't be. that also partly the style of rugby we play shane that we well that yeah that's so, so, so um, there was a conscious decision to play differently. And I think the, 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 the basis for it was this. We knew, you know, we, we were down to, uh, they were down to 14 men really early. And what happens is when you, that first, uh, when you first go down to 14 men, you think, right, we're on here. Like we're on the space everywhere. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. And you think you have to play a certain way. And Ireland played, um, I, I think, you know, they, they, um, they didn't play as structured maybe as they should have and also they didn't you know they just ball didn't go to ha- quite to hand it nearly did they had that tr- uh, try disallowed so and then England sort of came into the game much more um, with the type of um, possession that that they were getting. You know, the, the scrum immediately became an issue. You sensed it. You know, after yeah. a fir- you know the first second scrum, you had oh, hang on, you know what's happening here. And then England um, knew what was happening as well. They doubled down on their type of game plan. Then you had another factor that came in that I've never, I, I honestly don't think I've ever heard Twickenham as noisy as that. I was thinking that journey for a long time the atmosphere was unbelievable and um, I spoke to Dennis after the game he was over there uh, Dennis Hickey and he said the atmosphere was unbelievable he said it was incredible so they were uh, reacting to that that has an impact on Ireland because there's a pressure that comes on when you're playing um, against 14 and you think we should be more ahead we should be more ahead and all these things sort of um, developed so you got to the point where that we mentioned earlier on where it was a you know became a draw it was a draw game and Mm. 
you know what you know if we don't stop this if something doesn't change here this is going to end up exactly as what's happened the last couple of um, minutes we're going to get you know they're going to get another possession you know or we get possession knock the ball on they get a scrum win the scrum there's a penalty all of a sudden we're three points down and they're holding on to the ball for the last uh, 10 minutes of the game so there was definitely a change and it was it felt to me like they just reset and they said right they are down to 14 men we don't have to pull a rabbit out of a hat here play phase play phase after phase after phase and make sure you recycle the ball and one their numbers will drop and then the second one was they will fatigue and it took them about I think eight minutes of that change maybe a bit more in order for England to fatigue because they're really well conditioned they look really good and so while they were you know having that phase after phase and and it wasn't you know there, there was kicks in between but there was a lot more retention of ball and for the first, I think we had seven, eight minutes of that, England barely blinked. And then you could see it. And you could see that. And oh, you're right, that body language changed. And it wasn't because they were, yeah. you know, failing bodily language. They actually just couldn't carry their bodies anymore. But that isn't, oh, listen, that isn't, oh, you know, uh, luck on Ireland's part. Yeah. That's Ireland, um, you know, uh, ensuring that they're maximizing the position that they're in. And I'm sorry, there is a disadvantage to picking bigger, heavier, powerful men. Same with France. I thought France faded too. And Ireland are kind of banking on that. You know, we're not going to be able to go slug it out in the early stages in the close encounter exchanges. But then as the game, the 70, 60, 70 minute mark, it should start to make a difference. No, that but are my more point is, though, it's against 14 men, though, Si. That's what they're, they're exhausted. Yeah, no, of course, that's a side, massive factor, just, but yeah. it's not the only factor. And sorry, the other thing I'll just make a point on, people are sort of saying, oh, we scored all our tries in the last 10 minutes. The last 10 minutes are... I would say more important than every other 10-minute segment in the game because they're the ones that, in a tight game against a good team, they're the ones where you really show what you're about. And you're, if your skills hold up in the final 10 minutes, then you're actually even a better team than I thought you were. Andrew, you've been dying to get back in there? Well, just uh, just what Simon said, the skill set, the, all of a sudden passes started sticking. As soon as the accuracy on our passes and gets up, our face play gets crisp, everybody's stretched, every defender is asked to make more difficult um uh, reads in defense and then all of a sudden then you see that dominance in that Irish phase play it, the, whenever the passing is accurate that's so key that was the big standout and uh, characteristic of the performance against Wales against the All Blacks any big performances in the last 12 months whenever the passing in the phase play is accurate yeah and that leads into um, yeah, better carry better footwork better ball placement and then better quicker rook ball and the type of rook ball that we saw you know, a little bit later in the game was was completely at odds with what we were seeing earlier on. And there was one, I think it was in advance of the Conan try, there was a clean out by, um, I think it was Doris, which was absolutely ferocious, like ferocious on Jack Noel. Jack Noel, I think he'd made the tackle and was kind of lying on the ball. So he, he was almost off his feet. Doris came in like an absolute train, barely legal, and rifled them over the other side of the rook. And um, there was a, there was a try from that. Yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was Ringrose at the time. I couldn't work out who it was, but someone was yeah. ho- like horizontal. I think they were definitely legal, but it just yeah. showed that level of commitment. But see, see, on just on I, that I point, could be wrong there, by the way, Trims. I, I could be wrong because I I, I just I, I was I I, I wound it back a few times as well. I couldn't I couldn't find out who it was, and I thought that can't be Ringrose. Rose doing that <laughs> too hard. Yeah. yeah, but just just on that actually, um, I, the narrative NAS, like last week was bring in O'Mahony for the breakdown. The breakdown is going to be the competitive area. That's going to be the battle against England. It's only a battle if your passing and your face play isn't crisp and accurate. If it is, you get soft shoulders and 
I'm not saying the breakdown is a breeze, but it's way easier. If you're if you outsmart that defense, then you find spaces, you get your nose through. The breakdown's a gift. It looks after itself. You just clean that over really quickly and you go. And I think you get that more um, from Conan because he's got that distribution game. Then you get that from actually reacting to, you know, potentially having to go into that battle of the breakdown. And then you need O'Mahony. I just don't think you ever even get into that confrontation when you've got the ability to avoid that in the first place. Just the other, the other thing that just crossed my mind, and because and, I, I, I have sort of Eddie's, Eddie's words there ringing in, in my head, I suppose. What then, you know, what was the expectation for Ireland? If you ask anyone, um, at, you know, for their, you know, for their um, what the expected result was at that time, Maybe a couple of more points, but I don't know if you, I don't know if you'd be looking at that many more, would you? I'm not. I'm not sure. You think you know? Maybe England, you know, will, um, limit less, them. Less of the silly errors, you know, like closing the gap in the scrum, uh, getting ahead of the line out. The guy who catches in the line as he lands twice, Henderson went ahead of him. Really simple, silly penalties. I think the number of those was abnormal for a good team like Ireland. I, I think in, ter- in terms of what I'm talking about, in terms of you know, scoreboard, I, I don't know if yeah, I don't know. No, even I at that, yeah, yeah. I don't scoreboard. think you're expecting even down to 14. Are you expecting to put like 50 on England under those circumstances? Cast your mind back to I know Ireland ended up putting a, a big score, but they were down to 13 against mm. Italy. Yeah, and you know there was a long period of that second half we didn't score. Do you know? Yeah. Um, so you know. A little bit of realism on what happens uh, you know it's international rugby it's the opposition or at home it's England they just don't roll, walk out the gate you know nobody's doing that and this team was particularly not prepared to do it it's best case scenario for us because um, we've got the job done uh, and it was it was difficult times but we found out something about Ireland we found that they can have their backs against the wall be under pressure and actually dig deep change the tone and then go out there and execute a different game plan the last 20 minutes so we find out something about Ireland and luckily for us we find out something about England mm-hmm. now all of a sudden that looks like an England team that could they show a bit of grit a bit of backbone and they could go to Paris and do a job for us so actually we couldn't have written a better script yeah. for how hopeful and excited we are for I don't know weekend. against a good scrum have they much else like passion and a good scrum is what got them close what do you think, Shane? Is there any chance of uh, Six Nations title next weekend? Well, well there, there's more of a chance than I thought and, and uh, I said I I thought the Wales challenge for France was going to be more, and you know, in re- as it worked out, Wales should have beaten France. You know, they had the opportunity, um, but for a for a drop ball. Um, but but now I I believe that's much more of a live game. I still my expectation is that um, um, France will win that game. Um, England will be emotionally drained from that game. They'll be fatigued as well. Let me tell you, they but they will be emotionally drained. There was a massive emotional investment in that game. It's very very hard to double up on emotional performance. And you do think at the moment that that is what you probably you know England are relying a lot on emotion. Look, look at the game plan. Whew, basic like that was like that is Eddie Jones what's happened to you mate like and maybe there was something pre-prepared that was going to be different if it was 15 men and and by the way it's you know it was the right tactics under the, the circumstances not much more you can do but I, I'm not sure if we will see something different than that this week against France um and maybe and maybe he's right maybe maybe he just goes to war with them um makes it attritional um, and and you know roll the dice in the scrums and and kick goals and and maybe it'll be enough. I doubt it, but you know it's maybe worthwhile at this point for him. Well, on Eddie Jones, a name we mentioned more often in the Liberty Hall than than anyone else's uh, during last week. 
that's stuff we were talking about the physicality the nonsense he was going on with they, they've never faced a challenge this physical you know haven't played a physical team like us in years all that all that stuff is there any chance that backfired slightly <laughs> that, that got England a little bit too riled up I mean hence the red card after well, I know Andrew said that they were bouncing and all that but I mean they, they took a bit too much emotion into that opening so, few minutes so not the, the other way around like he was right wasn't he like Ireland haven't faced whatever. That was the most. That was the biggest physical test. Oh yeah, he was. He, he was right, but he was but, but also on the head more, more than I thought. He got his own players too psyched up. Like he obviously wanted them to deliver that, but like they got a man sent off in the first two minutes. Like they're desperate to make a hit. Absolutely desperate, but too desperate. But you need you need to be desperate to make a hit. Not too desperate, Shane. Like it, how come Ireland manage it? How come France manage it? Well, because they don't. They don't always manage it. Peter Manning got sent off last year. Yeah. 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 So they don't always manage it, but what I think that comes down, you need to be, uh, international rugby is playing on the edge. You are playing on the edge and we've all, and I certainly hands up, have strayed onto the wrong side of that edge into an international j- jersey. When I spear tackled Shaggy one time. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do, I remember. Oh, that was a bloody interpro. Um, um, you do things that you think in retrospect, like the, a split second after you, or you go, how could I have possibly have done something that stupid, right? How can I, I, I not just jeopardize uh, my team, but I jeopardize me, you know, your, your own career, you know? And, and we, I have done that I'm in an international jersey for Ireland in some of the biggest games I've ever played. And luckily, you know, I wasn't sent off or, you know, or, or I didn't go as bad as, as I could. So I am resonant to, to be, you know, too hard on players being fired up because you're all the week, everyone says physicality, you got to be fired up. You got to be physical against these guys. You got to smash them, da, 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 da. You can't then, you know, say, say if, if someone slips up a little bit, then you go, you can't, you can't castigate them for it. But what I would say, what the sending off comes to, down to, not that players are too fired up, that's technique issue again. And as long as, um, coaches don't sort of eliminate that type of body position from their coaching technique uh, technique during the week in clubs the whole thing that's 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 going to continue like he was in a woeful body position he's he's hit a six foot six man in the head his hips and his knees aren't bent even a tiny bit and it's late like it's it's so far off being a proper tackle you know G- james ryan did not change there was no it was it was this, his head did not move for yeah. about five seconds before he just hit his head it was the most blatant red card and it, the fact that it's still be I don't I think it's still being one or two people out there definitely a minority still debating that then just shows and, and again if, if we're getting into the red card conversation then we're getting into the the 20 minute red card conversation which for me just doesn't work if people aren't going to learn with an 80 minute uh punishment and you know their their team you know taking the brunt of that then they're definitely not going to learn from a 20 minute punishment and I just don't understand I agree with Shaggy it's, it's the technique he has to be doing that um, repeatedly he has to be learning to get his hips down like you can't tackle like that if you can't tackle like that you're going to concuss guys you, you yeah. knock James Ryan out there's going to be parents watching that they're not going to want to support this game and it's uh, it's it comes down to technique, and lads, the rules have changed since you guys played, and there's loads of reds now for everybody to watch. That it, you know, there were so few reds when you guys were playing. They're really common now, and they're almost always ending the chances of the team who get the red card. So I know you guys played on the line, but the consequences are far greater these days. Yes, they 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 are, but I don't think you can. I think you lose if unless you have that edge, and that's why you have to rely even more on your technique and. Um, you uh, and you have to recognise that um, it, it's a selection issue. So if your technique is 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 fa- it fails you, 
um, and you put yourself in a position where you can be giving red cards away because you're too upright in your in your uh, um, tackling position. Um, coaches have to recognize that and understand what well, this guy is potentially a liability he may have other qualities but this is so detrimental to our team then he doesn't get picked if you if you tackle in that in that way predominantly then you don't get picked that you know that because it's too high of a risk and that that's what changes the culture ultimately i do have sympathy and there's two different types of of tackles here two different types of kind of of of, of colliding with people on the head the Omani one, we were talking about Pete there, but whenever someone peels out of a, of a rock and then last second their head, like around, you know, hip height, their head just just kind of appears in division and they're already moving towards that rock. That rock, that's a difficult one. And we're expecting, we still expect them to react appropriate there, appropriately and pull out of that. That's a big ask. and I, But I still think it's right to make that ask, but it's a big ask and I have a lot of sympathy there. Charlie Yules, it is not a big ask. <laughs> to um to make that tackle correctly at all is totally different. He's got absolutely no excuse, and I think they're they're different and late and late as well. Come on, come on. yeah, come on. It's phew. it was my my blow. And I do I know, and there is maybe you know the uh, a very little bit of uh, dissent, but I I don't I'm not really seeing it. I think everybody that that I'd been in contact with or that I'd spoken to or I'd I'd read about it was like, well, yeah, it's a red. It's just a it's just a it's just a red now. Yeah. Shane, can I ask you about, you know, there was quite a few times Ireland threw passes or offloads that weren't really on. James Lowe was one blatant one in the second half. Tyke Furlong as well. Uh, Johnny Sexton, I know it was an advantage at the time, but the pass wasn't on for the intercept. Um, there was quite a few times where Ireland just gambled too much. And they got a lot of criticism for that as well afterwards on TV and in other places. And I just sort of feel like of all the things you're going to criticize a team about, that would be quite low down on my list anyway because of the style they play. A, they need to keep trying this and working out when they should stick or twist. But also, if we're playing this style of play, those offloads and those kind of sometimes marginal passes are what's causing, like, creating the James Lowe first try, the Jack Conan try. Like, we don't score all these brilliant tries without this and there also will be more sloppiness, for want of a better word, as a result. There, there is a bit of that, and you have to be able to react to that. Um, if you look at New Zealand teams, especially um, the provincial teams, there's a lot of there's a lot of ball in the deck actually because they're trying stuff a lot. It's not it's not as friend on as it is maybe in the northern hemisphere because um, really because we weren't trying as many offloads or as many complex plays. So when the ball was on the deck, it was unbelievably frowned upon. Um, so if there there has to be a, a little bit of a margin given there um um to you know to allow the development of the game now i do think sometimes they probably weren't there there is sometimes when even with it you're trying an offloading game there's sometimes that an offload isn't a smart play or anywhere near sort of the percentage play i still think you have to have you'll be a little bit more judicious about when, when you throw them but again that's sort of over time and it develops um because you know you, you do have to respect the ball and i think that some of those decisions were, as I mentioned earlier, a product of the situation that Ireland were in. You're thinking, we're down to 14 men. I can actually throw this offload a little bit more because there is space. It won't be an issue. And, and yeah. we really should be getting more tries here. We need to be scoring. We need to be scoring. And then that's sort of a little bit panic and it impairs your decision-making a bit. I would take issue with the Sexton, I think, is exactly what I want to see but from Sexton, apart from an intercept. When we have a penalty advantage, I hate, hate, hate him kicking hmm. the ball up in the air in the 22. It does my head in. Throw a super risky pass. Throw a super risky pass. I love it. I don't care. Okay. 
<laughs> Andrew, the I have to say also the the quality of the tries. You know the the quick tap penalty, the um, the Conan try was beautifully taken. When we did get it right yesterday, we were really really good. I think Hugo Keenan was central to a lot of that. I mean the back three in general. So good for the Jack Conan try. Uh, Keenan was that fade out wide to suck yeah. in a man and then pass. Oh, he sucked so. in a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And his own try, like I sent you actually a, a tweet chain for his response. I think it was even before the quick tap was taken, right? That, that he started sprinting up to take the pass off Gibson Park. Yeah, I'd seen it. He'd been so far on the other side mm. and came around on a huge pace, never broke. And as I said to you, it wasn't just so impressive that he was working around there to get into that position, but he actually was given the ball flat track and it was almost impossible to stop. Um, but that he had, a, he had an incredible game. It was, and I'd be interested in, in, in Trim's view on this. I looked at some of the stats as well post game about how many um, carries um, the back three got, how many meters made they got, um, um, how many breaks they just were involved in everything. I think Keenan had something like 17 carries, and James Lowe was maybe third, but 14, something like that. It was, it was, a, it was a game for people who wanted to play ball. Yeah. Absolutely, James Lowe. In, well, Hugo, uh, those two in particular, they were both incredible. James Lowe just got—he's got this knack. He looks—you you can even tell by his body language—he's just thriving out there. He looks like he's having fun, and he just looks so confident. And he gets the ball on the edge. He just does this, this, this thing that only he seems to do. He always flirts with that touchline, and it all—it always looks like there's a risk of him getting knocked in a touch. But he just leans so well. And then just often gets that uh, offload away, or even just you know, even if he hits the deck, he stays away from the touchline. He does that so well, um, and that was something I think that that's a winger I think who looks confident. They're happy to take that risk over there because they're ha- so so confident and they know where their feet are and they just know their dimensions well. Um, Hugo ball in the air like that's the bread and butter for any fullback. He did that, but he's he's so much more than that. And uh, if he was quoted as oh you know he didn't put a every high ball you know you, you nailed it. He, I'm sure he'd be gutted by that because he's so much more than that. His work rate, uh, obviously his fitness from his sevens background as well. And um, the his line for his try was not only it was a, a brilliant line, but it was really nice for Jimson Gibson Park to pick out that pass. Mm. He would have been blind. He kind of he was blinded by the ref, um, a couple of England defenders. And then um, Johnny Sexton was kind of in the way of the pass. In the end, he end up, ended up disguising the pass quite well. But that was accidental. Gibson Park just needle. Just, it was a perfect, lovely ball for him to spot that and it just kind of showed I don't think um, Hugo was running around the corner to take that pass from nine I think he was running around the corner to be the extra man on the edge um, but again I'm sure there's there's no communication happens there that's just reading guys guys who are getting used to playing together and again that um, that just level of understanding he just picked it out and just read that perfectly there's two guys just both knowing exactly what each other's doing I think that's that's a reflection of where that, that team's getting to and De- uh, having played in the back three and trims again, I'd be interested in, in your thoughts on this. That when, especially at international, the more ball you got on the wing, the more confident you were, the better you were. You know, you 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 just you felt faster. You felt as if you could make more breaks. You could do. You could offload. You know, the more touches that wingers get. Um, you know, the the I think the, the the better they play, and then the more confident they are, and, and actually then the more they contribute. So it, it's a kind of a you know it, it's um, a, a circular. 
yeah it's both so um james Lowe again his example it's it's a there's a psychological thing there where he knows he's playing well he knows he's get, gonna get on the ball and he's gonna be likely to beat someone maybe get an offload away he's gonna add something to the team but also even just the more physical um side of what he does he's fitter and he's faster than he was this time last year he got a heap of criticism he's obviously gone away took that on the chin got himself fitter got himself faster and he looks like a serious athlete and a serious operator and he's a guy who's hungry for the ball uh, and i think it's, it's a great reflection of where he's at and he's again he's a reflection of where the rest of the team are at i, I think we're also seeing a um and we've seen a bit of it already but if we didn't know before now we know that the skill set of a 50 22 kick is going to change rugby in, in in many ways and if you uh, we saw it on Friday night with Dan Bigger executing an incredible skill, taking the ball outside the 22, spiraling it in. We saw Conway have a, um, a couple of fantastic um, uh, kicks as well. Um, I think uh, we've seen Keenan do it over the last six months as well. So um, that is an, and we know Lowe can do it because you know he's got a great left foot as well. So that is another element of the game that you could see that Ireland have thought about, and that now becomes a prerequisite really if you're going to be a back um, three player. It's another type of skill, and you can see by the way. Andrew, the way Andrew Conway has practiced that, because that's not Andrew Conway's game. And, you know, I remember him playing for Leinster. It wasn't. It's just not part of, of what he can do, uh, what he did do. Um, but now you can see, because it is definitely a, a live option, the way he executed those kicks was absolutely beautiful technique, absolutely beautiful technique, and, and is a huge reward. It's added something to, to our understanding, our, the game. It's just added another another thing. Wow, that's... You know, and you're, you're explaining to the person beside you who's not familiar with rugby oh that's a 50-22 <laughs> you kind of come, come across a bit smug but the next phase I think will be whenever um, defensive teams in the backfield they become more and more aware of that threat so they sit guys back there and I think that's well, the more they get punished get, by it the more it's exactly. going to be in wingers heads isn't it it becomes real to them it, once they concede a couple then they go right actually we need to have a solution to this because this is actually really hurting us so we have to cover the backfield more which means we're going to see a more entertaining uh, game of rugby i don't think we've got that the actual the full-on effect yet that's kind of phase two i think um but yeah hopefully we get there and we see that as well andrew we come second no matter what now we've got this sort of gritty away win however imperfect it was we had to come back against France against a very good team it's perfectly acceptable to lose away to them we hammered Wales um do you kind of feel like Ireland will come out of this the better for it like pe- people are complaining about all the errors and the scrum and all that sort of stuff and the scrum is going to be a big issue for us particularly if we lose Porter and Keller it looks like but besides that do you feel like Ireland are coming out of this feeling pretty good about themselves the better team for what happened in Twickenham uh, I, I think we're probably feeling yeah we're probably feeling okay about ourselves I think after the wheels game we thought we were world beaters and that was a grand slam winning team that was the performance of a team that was going to go on and win four more games and I don't think we quite so we went to Paris the narrative there was we were brave grand okay Italy we learned nothing from we went to Twickenham we, we, and we did learn something about the ability to reset and go again and change the tactic and that is that's important that's a big step forward but I, it's really been a, a perform. It's it's really been one standout performance against Wales where we just tormented them with our phase play. And if we can get there again, then I think we will be like way, way better than this team we saw at Twickenham. 
I think there's something else here, though, Trims. That game against Wales, well, while we could have scored even more points, we could have scored, I think, probably 20 more points. That's how good we were. That's how good we were holding the inside and getting around the corner. But that opening game um, against Wales was was not far off perfection, You know, apart from being able to rack up the scoreboard and a few more, because we, ha- we hadn't been playing quite that way for long enough to do it. But it was close enough to perfection. Now... What we have to learn is that we're not going to have, you know, perfect or close to perfect performances all the time, especially against big teams. And what we have to do is be able to win big games without having that level of perfect performance that we had against Wales. Because I don't think that is realistic to expect that. One, it was a... It wasn't a great Welsh team. They weren't. It was the first game of Six Nations for them. They weren't carrying in any form. They were playing players out of position, and we exploited it. Is so is and that is what we should do under those circumstances. But in circumstances like um, going to Paris or going to Twickenham, don't expect us to have that level of performance against them because we won't because the opposition is much better is much much better and they put you under pressure and therefore you make mistakes and it's more difficult to implement the game plan and all those things so what we need to be to to get to and if we're going to be competitive at the world cup and by competitive i mean get to a semi-final it's mean we have to be able to win big games against tier one nations without playing the absolute perfect game because you can deliver the actual perfect game maybe once in the in the competition but you won't, you won't do it two, three, four times. I don't think you'll do that. So you have to be able to stay in a game like we did against France. Mm-hmm. But then when that opportunity comes up at the end, which it did, to take that chance. And say, same, same but different against England. We got ourselves into a position because you know they made an error. We exploited the sending off. We changed up our game and we ended up taking five points um, because, without playing our best, best rugby through, through the 80 minutes. That's good for me. I think the Scotland game is potentially one we should be looking to sucker punch these guys. We, you know, we re- really should. We should be able to. We should be looking to get as close to perf- perfection as we can against them. Um, and and who knows? Maybe that'll be enough for Six Nations. Yeah, hopefully you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, as Eddie O'Sullivan might say. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Thanks a million. Thanks, Thanks a million, Andrew. guys. Cheers, cheers, fellas. Make me a scapegoat, if you will. Call me a traitor, if you will. Can you believe this? Can you believe this, Brits? Please, let's save the country. They say Roy McElroy is a Brit. You know, if the price of freedom, the price of peace, is the blackening of my name. <laughs> the chicken. I've noticed something in the last 24 hours or so, last couple of days in fact, Simon, that you might be able to clear up for me. The Triple Crown suddenly became, so seems to have become a worthy trophy again. Back in I fashion. Feel like we, yeah, back in fashion. That's what I should have said. The Triple Crown is back in fashion. We got a bit sniffy about these things for a while when we were winning them uh, ad nauseum. Yeah. And uh, probably when we were winning them and before we started winning the Six Nations title themselves, or even especially when we started winning Six Nations titles, and it's like, oh, what the hell is a triple crown? But I feel like everyone's talking about sex and saying we've a chance to win a triple crown at home in the Aviva, talking about how huge it is. We very rarely have had a chance to play for something in front of our home crowd. Often when we've done it, it's away from home. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with this, I think, but I do find it quite funny that it, it seems to, it's such a bizarre trophy that you can get, you can get, 
awarded something for beating three specific teams in a competition. But if you were to lose one of those and beat another one in uh, France, in other words, you would not get the trophy. <laughs> Try, yeah. Trying to explain this to somebody who's never followed the the old Five Nations. Well, well back in the day, confused. wasn't there a time well, where they, they didn't, that was it, Murph, they four didn't nations. actually care about the championship. You could win the championship, but the Triple Crown was the thing you were <laughs> really after. But it feels yeah. like one of those trophies that if you were to tell a non-rugby person, they'd hate rugby even more as a result. <laughs> oh, we won the Triple Crown. Yeah. Well, you seem pretty downbeat, Simon, a better chance of getting, of France getting turned over by England but Sexton says England have a great chance they always do England are England one of the most dominant teams in world rugby World Cup finalists and they're rebuilding now but still they beat Australia and South Africa recently England can do a lot of damage next week so I don't care what you say Simon I believe as well as the beloved Triple Crown there's also a Six Nations on the line next week so Murph come in here what has to happen for Ireland to be crowned champions Yador Inchicoral Faye Dunaway Scotland our disgrace to World Sport yes it is I permutations man uh, we trail France by two points so we obviously need to beat Scotland to give ourselves the best chance although a draw for us and a four try bonus point would be enough if France got nothing from their match against England so no win and no bonus point against England which remember kicks off after the end of our game. So if we win without a bonus point and France lose by seven or less while scoring four tries, then we win on scoring difference. If we win without a bonus point and France draw while not scoring four tries, that would also leave us tied, but we again win on scoring difference. So having the scoring difference in our favour really is a help here. But the easiest thing to do is beat Scotland with a bonus point, secure that beautiful, beautiful triple crown trophy (sighs) and put maximum pressure on France because it... You know, it is pretty hard to see France screwing up if they've already seen us draw at home to bloody Scotland. I know, forget about draw. So we're, we're assuming yeah. that we're going to either win or win with a bonus point. And that, you're yeah. saying that at least puts a lot of pressure on France. Yeah, exactly. That's that's as much as we can do. Put the pressure on them. See what happens. That is the verdict of permutations. Man. What's the verdict of Ned Van Esbeck over there, Ken? Have we still got a chance of the Six Nations title? Do you see any scenario where Le Rose Beef can go over and win Le Crunch. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I think I, I think Ireland are going to win, actually. Yes. Because, uh, you know, is England... Eddie Jones is going to pull something out of the bag. <laughs> is that what you're about to say? England, just England's uh, beefcake pride. If you want some, I'll you give know, it, is it You know, I can, this is just exactly the kind of situation where they would obstinately refuse to cooperate with the French. Um, <laughs> you know, are they going to surrender to France? You know, is that is that... Is that on the menu? Uh, or are they going to try and rescue some of their tattered pride after after uh, their experience over the over the weekend? Uh, I think that they're going to do a Martin Johnson on it. You know, when when he um, refused to uh, cooperate with the Irish president yeah. that time at the, at the red carpet. When he, when I, he tripped up see. Mary McAleese. I can't remember exactly the story, but I th- think yeah, it's yeah, a headlock. Yeah, I think yeah, it was a headlock. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I think I think and, the and Martin won't... on the other side as well had actually had the pair of them in a headlock. It was really yeah. a very disrespectful way to treat a head of state. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I I I think uh, England will do their side of it. So the question is whether Ireland can do their their side. I think we can, Ken. I'm backing us to beat the Scots. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, I. Thanks, Thank Murph. You. Okay. So Thanks, Colin. Thank you, Simon. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Now we hold. We do not give in. We do not allow them to school. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. 
it's the opposite of that, it's to persuade us of the world outside of that. That's why sports important. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 